I scream, you scream, we all scream for quality science fiction and fantasy content. For an extra scoop of sword and lasery goodness, go to patreon.com slash sword and laser. everyone. Welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and of course, awesome discussions from fans just like you. And man, this week, it's awesome discussions from fans just like you, because y'all brought <laughs> your A-game over the holiday break. Thank you. The news always slows down a little uh, when the holidays happen. Uh, that's that's normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you more than made up with it uh, for it with some really, really cool thoughts on the Goodreads Forum. I can't wait to get to them. Yeah, and Happy New Year, everyone. Happy New Year! Happy New Year! I, li- oh, I, man. I like to think of New Year's Eve as time travel. I, I know. I saw your tweet. Yeah, you saw that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the future now. Yeah, 2019. It's, uh, I, it this doesn't... is Blade Runner year, you know, right? It, oh, it is? Yeah, this is Los Angeles 2019. That's, that's Blade Runner, the original. Makes sense. Yeah. That feels and right. I, I, you probably don't realize this because you live in San Francisco, but it, it looks like that now. If you drive downtown, that's it all You know, overnight. it's been a while. I've, I've yeah. heard some things. New Year's Eve, boom, like that. Tyrell Corporation showed up. Everything looks exactly like that. Pan Am, Atari, it's all there. Well, if it does, if that is indeed true, uh, we're going to need some drinks. Uh, personally, I am drinking a special beer that I bought up in Tahoe and Truckee uh, this past weekend. Mm-hmm. Highly recommended by the uh, the woman at the, at the Packy. They don't call them that here. Sorry, at the liquor store. Um, it is called the Patsy Coconut Rye Stout from Barley Forge Brewing Company. Now, that does sound delicious. Coconut Rye Stout. I'm all in. A coconut porter from Maui Brewing Company is one of my mm, like favorite beers one. of all time. So I can imagine this is pretty good. But why is it called the Patsy? I don't know. I don't know. And honestly, for the, the, um, the, the person's name, Patsy, or is it for the being a chump Patsy? Like he's I, a Patsy. I don't know. I'm going to show you what the bottle looks like, what the, what the, uh, what the can looks like rather. Hmm. Kind of. Yeah. That doesn't really little, give me any clues. It doesn't to me either. It's just but a it, coconut. Yeah. But it looks kind of goatsy esque to me. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It could you be see called what the you goatsy. See. I mean, yeah, it's two hands with two halves of a coconut. I get where you're going. <laughs> I'm so sorry. This is some people's first time listening to this show. I don't normally get so. Um, it must be the Patsy. It doesn't always get your goatsy. Oh, let's not make that the title of this episode. All right, Tom, what are you drinking? I'm drinking like the exact opposite of what you're drinking. I'm having a caffeine free Coke Zero. So it's basically a nothing, there's nothing in it. Riddle me this, Tom. Why would Coke Zero need to say it's caffeine-free? Because I feel like if it's Coke Zero, it should not only have no calories, but also no caffeine. It should oh, be no, nothing. No, no, no. That's, cool, that's the cool thing about Diet Coke and Coke Zero is there's zero sugar, but they promise you all the caffeine. Don't worry about that, kids. And caffeine-free Coke Zero is something I didn't realize existed until my most recent trip to Ralph's because caffeine-free Diet Coke was all you could get up till then, if yeah. you wanted to have basically just Coke flavoring in water. Why is there Coke Zero and Diet Coke in the world? 
because they, they use different artificial sweeteners and they taste different. And Coke, being very wise, said a lot of people just like Diet Coke. Mm-hmm. If we change the Diet Coke uh, sweetener, mm-hmm. we'll lose them. Yes. So let's come up with a different name and say this one's almost exactly like Coke, but with zero calories, unlike Diet Coke, uh, which I think might even have one calorie potentially. <laughs> let's, well, this is why they pay them the big bucks and not me. Anyway. Anyway. Mm, tasty. Tasty, Caffeine delicious. Free. Yeah. Just brown water with artificial mm-hmm. sweetener in it. Delicious. There's a uh, coffee in my Patsy. Yeah, there that's, is. No, there is. It's one of the flavors. <laughs> it's one of the flavors. All right. <laughs> Sounds like a line from AbFab. There's coffee in my Patsy. Let's jump into the quick burns. Ah, uh, thank you, Rob, for pointing out that Jim Butcher posted a free Dresden Files short story on his website. Come on, Jim, you should have realized that would crash your website, <laughs> which it did. Uh, he has now reposted it on Google Drive so that mm-hmm. it will only cause problems for Google's bandwidth, not Jim Butcher's. Uh, but Jim Butcher fans, uh, take note, you can get a free new short story. It was a Christmas Eve present. Yeah, and it's got some, I, I, I believe it, it comes kind of late in the series. It's got some spoilers for um, if you some of the other, mm. other stories. Uh, I'm trying to pull this up right now because I forget which ones it, it kind of spoils. The story is called uh, Christmas Eve. It's called Christmas Eve, and it contains massive spoilers for some of the events of Changes and Cold Days, um, which I'm still, I'm still behind on my, my uh, Dresden files. So I need to catch up at some point. But I was excited about this one. And excited that it's so cool when authors just release stuff like this. It's amazing. Yeah. I think it's really yeah. nice. And very, really cool. very, very cool. Um, the the next one we have is Pratik and Julie, uh, because Julie is adding something that's not in the link that Pratik uh, mm-hmm. put. Pratik said, The Verge has put together a handy list of anticipated science fiction and fantasy books to be released in 2019, written by some of our favorite authors, including Catherine Arden. S.A. Chakraborty, Charlie Jane Anders, edits and translations by Ken Liu, and Lecky, new new series, mm. uh, new William Gibson, mm. uh, and many more. Uh, the article has it was really well done. Good job, Andrew Liptak over there at The Verge for putting this together. Uh, it will get you very excited because one of your favorite authors is coming out with a new book this year, and all you got all the book covers in there. And man, oh my gosh. I'm, I'm actually really looking forward uh, to The City in the Middle of the Night by Charlie Jane Anders. I really liked Birds in the Sky. Oh no. And, uh, and so I'm 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 very excited about this. This is not in the same universe. It's a totally different story. This one's more sci-fi actually. Um but there's a there's a ton <sighs> of good stuff on this list. However, Julie pointed out Fonda Lee's Jade War, the sequel to the August Pick is out this July and was not on this list. Mm. Oh lord, I want all of these. I know, right? Oh my gosh. I'm like that's why I said oh no because I'm scrolling through this there's a new Chuck Wendig on here, uh-huh. Wanderers. James S.A. Corey is in here. Oh my gosh, Max Gladstone. This is so cool. Oh. Yeah. It's going to be a good, good year. Books. Oh, 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 all Rebecca Roanhorse. Yeah, in yeah, fact this- there's a uh, Chinese science fiction anthology. Uh early in this that i was thinking might i might i might just make that into a pick you know we don't do uh, enough uh short story collections anthology type stuff so it's been a minute it's been a minute yeah yeah and 
I saw on the uh, N.K. Jemison's Patreon today, which we'll talk more about in the uh, later part of the episode, but also The City We Became, uh, one of her books, is coming out uh, late in the year. Um, Amazon is listing September 5th, but that's not necessarily the actual release date, Mm. um, but it's going to be in the fall. And she said uh, today or yesterday on Patreon that she's like, she for the first time, she's taking a break for Mm. about a year. She asked uh, Orbit Books if she could have some time off um, because she's basically been putting out. She, I think she's released like five or six novels in the past mm-hmm. five or six years. And wow. she said, I just need a creative break. I need to kind of recharge my creative yeah. batteries and, you know, figure out the stories I want to write, write some different things, write with friends, whatever. Just kind of like get that battery recharged and and feel ready to to tackle the next thing, which I think is really cool. And there's a lot of pressure, I think, especially when you're a super hot author like she is right now to have to keep going, keep pumping things out. But also, you're not necessarily going to do your your best work or not even that be your best self yeah. if you're if you're under that kind of pressure all the time. <laughs> and somewhere in the back of my mind, I'm like, how does Scalzi do it? <laughs> like, <laughs> I was reading- He's just a freak of nature, <laughs> I think. Right. Like, he, totally. he does, I, I don't think he does it and and i gotta be careful because i don't want to sound like i'm saying he's lazy or something but uh i i think he's naturally able to do that and he puts in the hard work but you know like he it's just he's just wired different maybe i don't know title of the episode john scalzi is lazy (laughs) no please don't do that come on it's going to be fantastic for readers Oh, I, I literally, you said that and i saw you enter that into the doc at the same time and it was so disappointing but fine (laughs) <laughs> Unless we come up with something better before the end of the show, I'm really pushing know. for John Scalzi as lazy. Nobody's because not. I think he's also not terribly sensitive, so I guess we could get away with it. That's why it would be funny. As long as he's he not going to care. From you, <laughs> Veronica says John Scalzi is lazy. <laughs> Perfect. I don't want to have to take the rap for it. That's all. Kick off the year by offending some of our favorite <laughs> authors. Perfect. Uh, Trike says, uh, speaking of authors, a whole bunch of classics entered the public domain on January 1st. P.G. Wodehouse, Agatha, Bristle, Joseph Conrad, Rudyard Kipling, etc. Uh, yeah, a lot of big ones uh, over here on this New York Times article. And so this, of course, means that now that these articles, nope. That's not the word I was looking for. Now that these books are in the public domain, people can do creative, cool things with them. They can write adaptations. They can do like comic books or other types of stories, kind of put their own spin on it and not have to worry about, you know, lawyers coming after them. And this is exactly what they did with Pride and Prejudice and Zombies and, you know, books like that in the past. So there, there can potentially be like a lot of fun things that come out of this. This is the first time since 1998 that the United States has had an entire year's worth of works uh, go into the public domain. Things have been mm. trickling into the public domain because maybe their copyright wasn't renewed or, or, or various weird things. But after copyright was extended in 1998, it basically kicked, the ro- down, kicked copyright down the road to 2018 mm. and, and said everything that's maintained in copyright will not will stay in copyright until at least 2018. And so works from 1923 just now would have gone into public domain in 1999, but they extended the Copyright Act. So it's now that they're going into public domain. So our culture has been frozen for 20 years. We haven't been able to take advantage of past works in bulk 
for 20 years. Robert Frost has one of his best uh, works going into public domain. And one of the reasons that everyone knows you know, the road less traveled is because that one has been in public domain for a long time. So mm-hmm. it really does impact the culture. I'm curious, and and I couldn't find a good list of this before the show, what science fiction works from 1923 are going into public domain. So if any of you out there uh, dig that up, uh, let us know on Goodreads. Yeah, interestingly, um, The Great Gatsby, uh, co- the copyright for that uh, uh, expires in 2021. And so the uh, Fitzgerald estate uh, and their publisher, Scribner, released a new edition of the novel in April uh, to kind of place themselves as the definitive edition yeah. of the text. Right. Um, and it sold a ton of novels. I mean, it has sold a ton of novels worldwide. But, you know, anyone will be able to kind of do like a fan fiction and sell that, according to this article, you know, in a couple of years. Yeah. And that's the way it should be. Uh, we, we can argue about when. Uh, you know, Disney, when Mickey Mouse goes into public domain, will probably try to get extended again. Uh, but most people realize that at a certain point, uh, it's it's important for culture for for works to be available for everyone to use without permission, uh, as long as it is not too soon, as long as it's not so soon that it undermines the incentive to create the works in the first place. Uh, and all the copyright debates are about where that line should be. I think our our line is <laughs> very well on the side of incentivizing people to make works. I think we could bring it back a little bit, but it's exciting to to see the the taps opening up again. Totally. Uh, are you going to write some, are you going to write some like Great Gatsby fanfic in space in a couple of years? Maybe. That's a good idea. That's why I want to know... <laughs> If there's any actual sci-fi and fantasy from 23, I, I had this idea of like, and I'll never do it because I don't have time, but of doing like a, a public domain podcast where you just go through 1923 and talk about all the cool stuff that was made that year. And we then, could just start recording audiobooks of awesome books yeah, from that time period. Right, Nobody could right, stop exactly. us. Exactly. exactly. Well, there you go. There's our next income stream, Tom. <laughs> right. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Step three, profit. Profit. Uh, Let's move on to Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Liam uh, wanted to know about Patreons of favorite authors. He says, so it seems Patreon is kind of a difficult medium for an author to use for support, unlike, say, podcasters or vloggers, etc. But I'm curious. What are some of your favorite author Patreon links? Why are you? Hold on. Let me tell you, chum. It ain't easy for any of us. Also, are there other sites and services like Patreon that are better suited to creators of written fiction? No, you know, that's a really good question. I I wish there were more Patreon competitors. There's there's a a company called Podia that does a, a sort of membership slash digital downloads thing. That's still, I mean, that could kind of work for authors with short stories and such. Mm-hmm. Um, but there isn't anything directed to two writers. I actually think that's one of Patreon's weaknesses is they have to try to serve everybody. Uh, and so you never get it perfect for your thing. Uh, there are things about it for mm. podcasting that drive me crazy. Uh, and I also do an author's Patreon and I understand the problems with that. And in some ways it's better for authors because it is created by an artist, a musician. And, and the sense has always been, uh, for, for being a patron of the arts kind of thing. But even then, like, like Liam says, it's not easy and you, you have to be a really successful author to make the best use of Patreon, I think. 
Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I totally agree. Um, I feel like a lot of the authors that I follow, I follow uh, Brian McClellan and I follow N.K. Jemison, and and you know, am a patron of those authors. Yeah, two successful authors, right? Hmm. Oh, I see your point, but. <laughs> That's true. Okay, that's that's one area. I know I, I, I subscribe to them because I know of them, mm-hmm. which is the first hurdle. But you could say that of anything. Yeah. You could say well, that of a podcast yeah. or of no, a video I, I don't show. Think it's, or, you're, I don't, yeah, you're absolutely right. I don't think it's particular to Patreon. Like People who have a big audience tend to get a bigger audience because they can use that audience to, to right. leverage it. Yeah. And what I like about Nora specifically is that she, she does fun things that you ni- might not normally get from her. Like she gives you the monthly cat photo of the month. Or she writes like little like bits and pieces. You get to hear about books that she's working on. Um, so I like that kind of behind the scenes look, which I think Mm -hmm. Patreon is actually very well suited for. So I'm trying to think about what Patreon doesn't, and I don't want to get this into a a discussion of like, what is Patreon good at? What are they bad at? But to me, I've never thought of it being a more difficult platform for those types of creators versus anything else. Um, but over, and besides, I don't yeah. think that was Liam's point. I think he was just trying to spread the love like, hey, check yeah. out these awesome authors on Patreon. <laughs> um, Kat says that they support J.V. Jones because I need her to finish End Lords at some point. Um, Mark says that he supports three authors on Patreon, uh, including Cameron Hurley, who we love, mm-hmm. uh, Nancy Collins and Harry Connolly. And then Lisa says, thanks for posting about Harry Connolly. I love his work and I'm happy to support him, which see, that's the whole point. Once you discover that someone's on there, the whole purpose is that you have to find them first. Yeah. And most of these authors will do things like Cameron Hurley does a monthly short story at the the lowest level. You get a short story. But if you give a little more, she has things like, you know, insider chapters and Skype calls with her uh, at a certain level. It's cool stuff. Oh, maybe we should do that. (laughs) <laughs> that's a good idea anyway i'm trying Let to think of ways to make our patreon charges better. for that yeah, yeah, yeah figure yeah. that out first yeah, yeah. uh up next uh tazzy dave has a thread about your favorite favorite sword and laser book picks of 2018 i say it that way because he's from new zealand and he spelled it with a u favorite oh that's what that was favorite that was a <laughs> Not a Kiwi accent. That's not. I can't do accents. We know this. I disagree. I think your gallium accents are quite well. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but he likes. Oh, he did one. Uh, well, how did he do this? What were your favorite? No, I, I, I love this. I, I love this. Oh, he is, listed uh, all of them. He okay, listed great. all the books we read in 2018, mm-hmm. and then said, "What are your favorites?" Like this is our award show right here, right? Oh, like, this is pressure. Okay. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, I loved that Tassie Dave picked An Unkindness of Ghosts, Mm -hmm. We Are Legion, We Are Bob, and Zeros, because they're all three laser picks. (laughs) Uh, And so he actually went ahead and picked sword books, too. He said Jade City, Lovecraft Country, and Circe uh, were the top three sword books. But it was really fun to go through this thread and see what everybody picked. I was shocked how many people picked We Are Legion, We Are Bob, but I guess I shouldn't be because that was the March Madness pick. So it really had to run the gamut Mm -hmm. of what people were wanting to read to become the pick that month. So it makes sense that maybe it would be liked by more people. It really, uh, wow. Yeah. I'm impressed by the number of Jade city and we are Legion. We are Bob, a lot of zeros. 
Uh, you know, which surprisingly, considering the feedback I feel like we got from Zeros, I'm surprised to see it mentioned so many times, frankly. Well, this um, is not a, a scientific sample. <laughs> that, no, that could be true. why. So I'm looking, let me just read through the picks that we had. So January was Frankenstein. February Mm -hmm. was A Wrinkle in Time. March, An Unkindness of Ghosts. April, We Are Legion, We Are Bob. Mm -hmm. Unkindness of Ghosts got a lot of mentions as well. May was Night's Master. June was Circe. July, Mortal Engines. August, Jade City. September, Slan. October, Lovecraft Country. Also had a few mentions. November, Zeros. And December, Ka. So Tom, what would... What are your top like two or three picks? Gosh, it's it's always so tough for me to rank this kind of stuff. Zeros was really fun. I loved Jade City. Um, we are Legion. I'm still I'm I'm on the third book now. Uh, I'm still really enjoying Dennis e. Taylor. Uh, Unkindness of Ghosts. So it'd be those four are the ones that jump off the page to me. Yeah, I'm not going to stack rank them. Cersei was really good too. Yeah, that's in my top. That would be for my sure. top five. Those five there. That's a lot of a lot of books. Um, I'm gonna do these are not in order. We are Legion, we are Bob, Cersei, Lovecraft Country. That's my top three. Yeah. I, I there were no books I didn't like this year. Mm-hmm. I, I liked something about every book we read. I didn't I, I have a I revised a review today. Would you like mm-hmm. me to would you like to guess which one I brought from three star four stars to three stars? Was it a uh, book you're currently reading? No. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Just checking. I wouldn't have reviewed it. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I know, I know. I'm just curious if you can guess which one I went from. No, like, so this was retroactively deciding you didn't like a book as much as you thought you did right after you finished it? Yeah, like, I looked at it and I was like, yeah, you know, I didn't like it four stars. Hmm. I liked it three stars on second look. Uh, Was it from this year? Yeah. It was one of these? Uh Uh-huh. Oh. Um, hmm. Mortal Engines. No. Wrinkle in Time? No. Frankenstein? No. <laughs> okay, I'm now I'm just going to start. Knight's Master? No. Whoa, We Are Legion? No. Oh, God, yeah. That was a okay. five for me all the way. I read no, all I those books. Zeros? No. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, I, I give up because now I'm just going to. It was Slan. Slan. Oh, Okay. It was slam. I didn't think you liked it that much to begin with. That's you didn't why I kept think I liked it three stars. <laughs> I didn't think you liked it four at all. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Turns out. Yeah. Well, I was right. So there you go. There you go. Uh, I yeah. Okay. And here's the other thing that's fun to look at. Uh, we had one, two, three. Well, three, four, five, six, six. Um. Six and six on on uh, gender. Oh, good for us. Well, I mean, River Solomon is technically she doesn't they. want a pro- they don't want a pronoun, so right. It's five five one and six. Okay. Yes. Well, there's a lot of numbers on these. They did a lot of stats. Like Brian did the most intensely graphical ranking of this list that I've ever seen. With lots of emojis. <laughs> and he did like laser guns and swords for each one. This is great. I love his pick. Um, I love the way he did that. Anyway, uh, that was really fun. Thank you, Tazzy Dave, once again for for giving us a cool data data analytics rundown of all the book oh, picks. Right. And the other thing about Brian is uh, he he said he put a list of how many his percentage of books that were sword and laser picks from each year that he's read going back to two thousand seven. And says he Whoa. wants to try to get 
a hundred percent of all the books that we've ever read. That's a lot of pressure. He's hundred percent back to 2015. Oh my gosh. He's been reading with us since 2007. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And Brian, if you do get to a hundred percent of all these books, you will have read more of them than Veronica. <laughs> oh, like he's going back and, and trying to get. To- yeah. That's he wants to go back and Whoa. get a hundred percent on all of them. He wants to go back and read the ones he hasn't read. Well, if he does that, I'm going to have to read all the books. You know which one you have to read. There's only one you really no, have to No, there's read. two. What's the other one? I never finished. Okay, we all know I never finished Memoirs. Yeah. And then I never finished the Dog People book. Oh, you never did? No, I never. We, we, I, I feel like we had this conversation like two months ago. Yeah, I'm getting old. I'm 50 almost. So <laughs> no, you know, give me a break. <laughs> I can't remember the name of that book ever. <laughs> Um, anyway, so there, there we are. Awesome. Very cool. Uh, and then we had a, a fun thread from Jason about reading printed editions versus digital. Uh, he says, I wanted to take a break from Kindle and phone reading to feel paper and weight in my hands. I picked up John Dies at the end from the library. I'm 10 pages in and I can't get comfortable. The paperback wants to be closed. The type is too small. And wait, the type is too small. I can't hold it or prop it so my hands and arms don't get tired. I thought maybe it's just this book and tried a few more, including some hardcovers. Eventually, I just returned to my Kindle. Sweet, sweet relief. Large type propped up so I can tap the side to turn the page while lying in bed. I think this digital life has ruined me. This this spoke to me because, as you know, I'm going paper editions for as much as I can this year. I don't like reading paper, uh, uh, pocket-sized paperbacks anymore. Trade paperbacks are okay, but pocket-sized paperbacks, I just get really frustrated because they don't want to stay open. You have, almost mm-hmm. have to crack the spine to keep them open. Hardback books, I'm, I'm still, I have, I, I read a few hardback books this past year, but just the ease of being able to have it on the screen that's with me, I end up reading on my phone most of the time. Oh, yeah. I don't like that. I don't like phone reading personally. Um, I'm ready for a new Kindle though. My Kindle has about maxed out. I've had it for like, oh, like 10 years or something at this point. And it's getting very kludgy, mm. very, very kludgy. Um, and so I think I'm about to get a new one, but Silvana says I once tapped the page in my paperback to go to the <laughs> next page. I've definitely done that. We've all done that. Silvana, we're right there with you. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's, it's tough going back and forth sometimes because I think they both have their benefits. There's something definitely romantic. I think about reading a hardcover book and, and feeling it and seeing the beautiful cover. And I loved the, uh, for example, in Ka, like mm. the illustrations that I've mentioned were so great. So there's good parts, but it is hard, especially if you are reading at night and your partner is trying to sleep mm-hmm. and you don't want to have the lamp on anymore. Kindle really jumps out uh, into the forefront with that, that yeah. added benefit for sure. Yeah. You know, I used to have those little clip on book lights for, for situations like that. I have that. one of those. Yeah. Yeah. But then I just started reading everything on phone. So <laughs> It's bad for your eyes, old man. Also, I mean... The only time I ever read in the, when it's dark, when Eileen's asleep is never because I always go to bed before I fall asleep first. (laughs) All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Very cool stuff. Um, And then finally, uh, for Barrier Sword, uh, last episode, we were talking about how I wanted to get into some comic books. Not an area I've had a lot of experience with. I feel like I'm missing out on a lot. 
Uh, and so you guys out there recommended a ton of great stuff. And I think I'll just read through some of these tweets uh, specifically. Frederick says, I'm reading Captain Marvel and Veronica should too. Okay. That's awesome. I'm, I'm definitely here for that. Tamahome says, the first three volumes of Saga Comics from Image are perfect. I've heard a lot of good things yep. about Saga for Same sure. Here. Linnea says, I think there are several series from Image Comics you might like, Veronica. Saga, Rat Queens, Wicked and Divine, Descender, Bitch Planet, and Lazarus. Maybe even Monstrous and Fatal, though they venture a bit into the horror genre. Not very scary, just an FYI. Ooh, um, Lock few- and Key is another one like that. Oh, yeah. Lock and Key was a video game, too. Mm-hmm. Not that that has anything to do with what we're talking about. Um, Bitch Planet was recommended to me a few times as well. Uh, And then finally, KT Tibbs says, uh, sorry, KB Tibbs says, some have recommended Saga and Bitch Planet, and those are great comics and collected editions. I also think Monstrous, which did very well at the Eisners this year, has a potential, as does Wicked and Divine. Neil Gaiman Sandman is an omnipresent recommendation for a reason, too. Yeah. No, these are all good. Thanks, thanks everybody for for kicking off Veronica's comic reading world. I'm excited. I just kind of wish I had a Kindle. I mean, not a Kindle, uh, an iPad, like a big iPad. Mm, that's great for reading Comicsology. I, yeah. I won't lie. You I know what I use phone. these days, though? I use a Chromebook. I don't have that. I have a Pixel book, <laughs> and I use that. I use that to read the Comicsology Android app, and it's touchscreen, and it's huge, and it's it's wonderful. That's nice. Yeah, yeah. I don't have one of those. Maybe I can They're get cheap. an iPad from work. I a know there's Chromebook a couple of is much cheaper than an iPad. Yeah, but I would get it for work. Oh, like work would buy it and I could use it for would demos. Pay for it. And right. then when you quit that job, you have to give away your iPad. That's true. It's true. It's okay. <laughs> Hello to my Adobe friends who listen. Hello. <laughs> she's never going to quit. That's, I'm, why, that's no, why I'm she's not. Really I'm not you. going to. Um, not not <laughs> not that I can ever see anyway. Um, but you guys, yeah. Yeah, hi. Hi. Hi, okay, anyway. Um, book of the Time month Time to kick discussion. off our book of the month. Real quick, we're just going to do a real quick kickoff. Okay. And then we're going to get into our last thoughts on Ka Darkly. Ka! <laughs> Have a conversation. Oh. Ah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, for January, our first book of 2019, Tom... If you got the patron briefing, it says January 2018 because Tom's not good at years. But uh, it is Nine Fox Gambit by Yoon Ha Lee. Uh, After a vote on Goodreads, it Mm -hmm. was the winner of the vote. So that's what we're reading. Uh, Yoon Ha Lee, born January 26, 1979 in Houston, Texas, also grew up in South Korea. Uh, attended high school at Seoul Foreign School, an English language international school, and then majored in math at Cornell University, got a master's in secondary math at Stanford. He has Ooh. worked as an analyst for an energy market intelligence company, done web design and taught mathematics. And that's important to know because the world is governed by a calendrical system that changes the nature of reality. And there is real math behind this. It's not just calendars like calendars on the wall that we think of, although that is part of it. It's a whole discipline of calendrical mathematics that underlies this world. Don't worry. You don't need to know or understand the math to understand the world, but just know that all this stuff that's going to be explained to you in this book for how this world works and how the heretics can manipulate reality has a mathematical basis. Interesting. Okay. 
And this is the first in a series called the Machineries of Empire Trilogy. Uh, it was first published June 14th, 2016. And Mark Martinez on our book briefing page uh, on Patreon said, you can take a quiz to determine which Machineries of Empire faction you belong to at solarisbooks.com slash post slash 2065. Ooh, we should do that. You should put the link in the show notes so we can all do it. I was going to make him go to Patreon to get the link, but all right, you're no. Nice. Do that on do that on Patreon. Yeah, definitely <laughs> do that. We will take I'll the put test. In the show notes too. That's fine. Damn it! But thank you, Mark, uh, for putting that in there, and uh, and let's let's all report back uh, which faction we belong to. All right, now it's time to wrap up. Ka, ka, <laughs> Darokli in the Dar, ruin. Oak by the Lee. Oak by the Lee in the ruin of how do they say Emer. it in the Emer by John Crowley. Crowley. Um, I really had no idea while I was reading this book how I would talk about this book with you later. Mm. Did I like the book? Yes, I liked the book. I did like the book. Do I know what happened in the book? I really have no idea what happened in the book. <laughs> I feel like it was like crow things. Also, the meaning of life and death. That's how I would review the book. That's my review. It's that's crows a pretty good do review. Things. Yeah. Crows do things. This is this is this reminded me in a lot of ways of one Q eight four. This is mm, a book to okay. soak in. Mm-hmm. This is not a book for people who want plot. Uh, this is not going to tell you a story per se, although it has a collection of very interesting vignettes that are stories. Uh, it's not that's not what it's about. It's it's about the meaning of life mm-hmm. <laughs> and what it what it means to exist, not even what it means to be human, but what it what it means to exist uh, in in the world and be conscious of it and and life after death and and where you know it's it's a lot of grand themes and that's why it gets all this literary praise mm-hmm. because it really is elevated beyond you know a good old fashioned fun space opera story or yeah, something it made, like that. It, it made you think. It made mm-hmm. you think about humanity. It made me think about what it is to be a creature set apart from humanity who mm-hmm. both kind of coexists and is um, subsists in a lot of ways off of humanity, but also doesn't necessarily need us. It's just smart enough to know that they're better off when a little bit when we're around, but they're better off because we are so destructive. But it's also not saying and and it's humans versus the rest of the world i think that's one of the brilliances of it is like oh you you guys are because it's written from the point of view of a crow <laughs> <laughs> uh it's like you guys are weird you know but we're weird too we have our weird things in crowland mm-hmm. and it's it's kind of weird because i'm also um reading uh sapiens right now which is a non-fiction uh work um and it's all about the the rise of humankind, but not necessarily just Homo sapiens, but also Homo erectus and the Neanderthals and the other human species. They are all human. Um, and so you're getting that kind of backstory of how sapiens in particular kind of I know this feels a little off topic, but I'll get there mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. How, how sapiens kind of specifically us, the the our forefathers kind of took over the earth and how they got here and and what would the world have been like had other humanoid species survived to this day and it kind of like it was an interesting parallel to read side by side because you're also from 
from Darrow Kali's perspective, like seeing humanity come up through the years Mm -hmm. and the choices that they make and how it affected a little bit less implicitly uh, Crow kind. Um, And so, I don't know. It was just a a really interesting combination of of things to be reading, thinking about how humankind has developed and how we affect other species and and other creatures and obviously a lot. it's yeah, and the book itself, like I really liked Dar Oakley as a character, um, and the ending was so sad, but made sense as well because mm-hmm. you know Dar has become this figure throughout history, and he's followed a, a a story. I mean, there's a very linear line of of where he starts to where he ends, or not even where he ends, but where the story ends specifically, mm-hmm. um, and how it's all interconnected and. I thought that was really it was it was really nice to read and it kind of comes to like he he inherits this ability to to not only be immortal in a sense but also to be this death bird that is able to ferry souls to to a heaven of sorts or to another plane to how do you say it Emer Emer <laughs> um which of course the the narrator of sorts is is looking for him to do in the end, um, albeit unsuccessfully. Mm-hmm. And it was funny the way it kind of jumped around from from Dar's perspective to the narrators, and so we have a little bit of an unreliable narrator in the sense that we're not necessarily right. getting a first crow perspective. Yeah. It's, um, it's of when things. I say it's told from the point of view of a crow, it's not really. It's a human right. interpreting what he heard the crow say. It's it's ghost written by a human. Yeah. And I, I liked that aspect of like, oh, there's not a word for this. We talked about this a little bit last time. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm trying to make the most sense out of out of this as I can because there's no word for this. Um, it's more of a feeling rather than a thought. So all of that was really good. I just sometimes I'm like, I would get kind of lost in it a little bit. And maybe that's the intention. Maybe you kind of get into that headspace of like, I am a crow. And I am having these experiences. And And I just saw a shiny object. And there's not necessarily a reason, or I don't really know the reason why I'm going here or doing this thing. I'm following an instinct. I'm following just a crow notion that I have. You know? So you're saying you're a crow nut. Oh, God. (laughs) Just take a big, long drink. I did. I did. I did. Anyway. Yeah, I no, I I I know where you're going. Uh, I I compared it to one Q eight four because my defense of one Q eight four was that it's not meant to be an, an understandable story. It's something you just enjoy, and I feel that's very true of this as well. I loved it at the beginning because of the world that was built and like thinking about how crows think of things, and I think John Crowley really pulls that off well. You know, maybe it's wrong. But who cares? He convinces me that, yeah, maybe crows do think like that. You know, maybe that would be how they would see us. I I loved that part of it. I loved it less by the end mm. because it just wasn't as enjoyable of a world as one Q84 for me, my taste, right? It was it was a it was to me, it was like, okay, the best things are done, and now we're just kind of carrying on the story with that world. And it's very important and very well stated. And I'm not saying I didn't like it. I did, but I didn't like it as much. 
it wasn't as entertaining towards the end. It, it started to feel like vegetables and, and less <laughs> like, like delicious <laughs> treats. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And I also, this is real petty. I was disappointed the first time that Dar Oakley died. Mm-hmm. I was like, wait a minute. So maybe he's not really Dar Oakley. Maybe it's, you know, just thinks he's Dar Oakley and, and, and he's making all this up, right? Like, it, I wanted Dar Oakley to like legit be immor- the immortal crow who never died. And so that bugged me. And it kept bugging. Maybe that, maybe that I did it to myself and maybe mm. that, that took it away, took myself out of it too much, which is my own fault. But I, I was, I kept thinking like, yeah, but I don't know. Maybe he's not Dar Oakley. I didn't think that at all. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have, wouldn't have thought that. Cause w- what was the, the crow that tricked him? into killing her kits 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 was legit immortal right kits never died well until she did until she did right (laughs) which is i guess true of all of us but you know what i mean like she she didn't die and then get reborn and get her memories back the way darkly did no it was different and i don't really know why that was another thing like i was having a hard time figuring out why so he became immortal because he he took the thing the la- yeah the precious thing the precious thing and then she took another all right who were the who were the small ugly people what was all that about you know i think that's the thing is you're you can't look at it too close because it's not <laughs> it's not a it's not a patrick rothfuss world where the closer you look the more intricately woven it appears and it blows your mind because it could be and in fact was a you know a role-playing game uh i don't think that dar oakley is a role-playing game i think it's supposed to be like there's just there's just things don't don't worry too much it's a MacGuffin. it's the last precious thing and it made him immortal Uh, don't read too much into it we have broader themes to paint here well i i know but i think and i think that's kind of why it's confusing to me or why i had Mm -hmm. a hard time with it because i guess i'm so used to things either being fantastical or being mystic mystical Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, i guess mm -hmm. and this kind of was like okay we're mystical we're talking about like other realms we're talking about death we're talking about crossing over but there's not really necessarily magic or a magic it reads like a fable it does but then all of a sudden you're in you are well rooted in kind of like almost historical fiction but with this mystical layer on top of it Mm -hmm. and then suddenly they're like Oh, but no, but small, ugly people. And I'm like, but where does that fit in? Are these gnomes? What is happening? Are these like, who are well, these people as soon, in the as Americas? Soon as, you, as soon as you like, leave the, the, the car, mm-hmm. you're, all bets are off. The rules, are, the rules go out the window. So Ka, which is the, the world of crows, is the only yeah. true world. Kind of, that that's what I that's the way I interpreted it from Dar Oakley is like once you get out of Ka, anything could happen. It's all weird weird world out there. Doesn't follow the rules. All right. We so read a lot I... of fable like stuff this year. We read Circe, we read Knight's Master. Even like Jade City has mm-hmm. a as a sort of mythological Frankenstein even. And now and Ka. <laughs> Yeah, I guess I, I liked it. I appreciated its its um its what's the word I'm looking for? Literariness. Mm-hmm. And 
but you know, as a as a fantasy book, I guess I struggled. Yeah, which is I, fine. Which is it, fine. It's technically fantasy, but it's not the kind of if you're looking for a fantasy book first, this is not it. Yeah. So it's 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 fine. Like, yeah, I, I thought it was great and but also very confusing. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. 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 It's a thick thread. Yeah. Um, you know what I didn't do? I did not pull discussions about this book from Goodreads. So you guys are going to have to go to Goodreads and hop in in those discussions um, and, and read them for yourself. Because <laughs> I had a bit of a home disaster tonight. So my uh, lineup creation. I don't think you need creation, to apologize for that. But I'm usually pretty good about that. I'm usually pretty good. You guys had thoughts and opinions about I don't think anyone book, would have noticed if you hadn't not. said anything. You always say that. You always yeah. say that. But I have to like, I have to like. <laughs> regurgitate all over now they're going to blame you now they're going to be like well you know i wrote a very i I wrote a great thread about this veronica and i expected it to be discussed i hadn't really thought about it until you mentioned it on the show and now i'm upset now i'm pissed (laughs) also i'm no longer going to contribute to your patreon because (laughs) of it come back um but anyway speaking of which yes our show is currently entirely funded by our patrons and we have some new we have some new gifts over there actually yeah that's right yeah Um, if you are a ten dollar or twenty dollar contributor um if you are going to be that for the next three months you're going to receive a a very special sword and laser sticker and we're going to be having more merch uh, over on Patreon very soon, including a mug and probably a poster. And we're going to be uh, shuffling around the tiers a little bit as well. Um, so there's going to be a little bit of a uh, Patreon shakeup, uh, but we're very excited. We hope to offer like more stuff in the store soon. Um, we're, we're, uh, I'm pretty stoked about the changes that we have in mind for it. Yeah, absolutely. So, so the clock's ticking as of when? As like, of just before Christmas, right? Yeah, like December twenty second or so. So, uh, we're you from that point. If you don't change your tier, if you're already at the ten or twenty dollar tier, you get the sticker. Mm-hmm. If you change your tier to the ten or twenty dollar at any point after December twenty first, you will start ticking the clock to get the sticker, and you just have to keep that tier for three months without changing it. That's it. That's, That's it. it. That's all it takes. Yep. Um, so thank you so much for contributing. You can uh, learn how to support the show over at patreon.com slash sword and laser. And don't forget, you can also support the show by buying books through our links, uh, find links to the books we talk about in some of our favorites at sword and slash picks. Hey, send us an email feedback at sword and All of our discussion happens over on goodreads.com slash sword and laser. And Hey, we are doing a new 2019 sword and laser reading challenge. So head over to Goodreads and look for the instructions there. Basically, you just have to assign a a shelf um, that's going to be counted towards either the sword or laser reading goal. That's all it takes. And then every time you check something off your to-be-read list and add it to that shelf, it's counted. And you definitely want to be on Team Sword, the current reigning Sword and Laser Challenge winner for 2018. We're going to represent through 2019 because Sword is the best. Yes, it is. Oh, that wasn't the response I was expecting. I was expecting a little more back and forth on that. Yeah, I'm not very Um, competitive. I'm sorry. It's okay. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening. (laughs) We'll see you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.
podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.